Hi, Stuart here. Just a very quick apology for the quality of the sound. There's quite a bit of reverb on Brad's feed. Hopefully the gremlins will be out of the system next week. Otherwise, I'll be around there to have a word with him in inverted commas. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and I'm joined by someone who went to a mysterious Chinese bazaar and came back with something that can only be described as a mogwai. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. How are you doing, Stu? Not too bad. I've uh, I've deliberately not been feeding them after midnight, but I am planning to give them a little bath later on, you know, clean up his fur and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you need to keep them clean. need to keep them clean. That, Can't that, see that, any that. problems, yeah. No, fine. no, not, not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, just, I mean, what time zone are you going to feed them? Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. What? <laughs> how did they know what time it was? Uh, there's some sophisticated biology going on there. I'd love to see a, a new Gremlins film that had kind of like explain the magic behind it and stuff. That would be really cool. <laughs> oh, it's on a guy... It was the 80s, and we was on a lot of cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the real-world explanation, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cocaine fever dream. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Something else that's a cocaine fever dream at times is video games. Segway. That's my yeah. worst That's my worst segue yet. That's that one, pretty bad. Go on. <laughs> what have you been playing, <laughs> Well, I have been playing something that is uh, quite far away from the the concept of cocaine and recreational drugs um, more towards the psychotropic which is io the clown or ao the clown not sure how it's pronounced oh yes yeah so clowns very strange you know they're really really strange it's kind of like evil you go okay why do they still exist now you know that people are mostly afraid of them i'm not but i don't find them inherently entertaining it's really strange um i don't like clowns i'm scared of clowns. yeah well there you go you see loads of people are but um like all this so anyway it's uh it's a platform game and it is mario so i'm not even saying it's like mario it basically is mario well uh, are we on about great giada sisters we pretty much are levels very yeah. much so yeah that with a mix of yoshi as well so it's got the pace of Yoshi, so it's a bit slower. And there's, you know, there's more verticality because you can float. And we all float it's out got, here. <laughs> yeah. See? Clowns, nice. Now you see, if you can bring that segue game into <laughs> into the rest of the podcast, we'll be laughing. Um <laughs> yeah. So yes, you're playing Pennywise and uh yeah, you you terrifying children. Now, so you you kind of, you know, bounce on stuff on their heads, you float in the sky and you uh traverse platforms some of which uh are on little uh you know, those kind of wires, you know, like from Mario World where the platforms go around on the wires and then drop off the end and it's just such a gigantic rip off. It's it's unbelievable. But that doesn't stop it being quite a good game. It's actually very, very enjoyable. And one of the main things is it gets the fundamentals right. So the frame rate is excellent. I know that's not a huge thing, but when you're talking particularly about Nintendo 
well, you're talking about games on Nintendo consoles mm. and comparing them with Nintendo's own stuff, they always get that forward. So it looks smooth, it's clean and clear, the, the graphics are great, and um, and this IO the Clown brings it, really. I mean, it hasn't got the level of sort of sophistication and polish that, you know, a, a Mario Odyssey would have, but or, you know, Yoshi, but, you know, what does? But it, it's great, It's it's it flows smoothly, the character models are decent, uh, it's fun, it's bright and clear, it's got nice bloom effects and some, you know, some bokeh, kind of, you know, that f- faded background sort of blurriness. And overall, it does a really good job of, of looking pretty and playing well. And uh, I've, yeah, I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah, I'm just looking... I'm, I'm braving some uh, screenshots of it. I'm, I'm not brave enough to look at videos yet. And Jesus Christ, I owe the clown is terrifying. I don't think it's the <laughs> eyes. He's got like, oh, do you know, like puppy dog eyes. And yes. th- 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 no, no, that's not natural. Oh, I actually prefer like Pennywise design um, because at least you can get that it's evil. That low. Oh. Don't like yeah, that, but yeah, yeah. Visually, I can see where you're coming from. It's um definitely got a feel with like Yoshi's Crafted World type stuff or Woolly World or something like that to it. Um, with yeah. a bit of little Big Planet, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, d- yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, as long as it plays well, I, I, I mean, you often hear people bemoan something. Oh, it's just copying Mario. Um, it's like that's fine. I'm okay with that. As long as you're not just doing an asset flip on a Mario game, yeah, and you're just heavily, heavily inspired by it, I'm absolutely fine with that. Well, yeah, because I mean, a lot of people want more of something that's really good, and if you're waiting around for Nintendo to do it, you're waiting several years at best, sometimes decades. Uh, so why not more of it? And with this one, it's. It, I mean, how many games are there that are copies of the modern sort of 2D scrolling Marios? There, there don't seem to be very many of them around. I mean, I know Rayman is sort of held up at it, but it kind of plays quite differently. I haven't played a Rayman for many years, but I wouldn't compare it directly to the sort of TD, TD, <laughs> 2D scrolling Mario games. I don't know. What no, do it's a, I would say the Rayman games are completely different to Mario uh, just because they're 2D. I, I think that's the only bit you can compare, uh, especially the modern Rayman games. Um, uh, uh, which I don't want to praise anything Ubisoft on the show, especially bearing in mind what we'll be talking about later. But the modern Rayman games are exemplary of how you can do 2D platforms and not just be a, a Mario. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if you if you don't own a Nintendo system, you don't have a Mario game. Um, so if you've got something yeah. that can go multiplayer, if it's even 70% as good as a Mario game, then you're onto a winner. Yeah, yeah. No, precisely. So yeah, I, I, I'm quite gently impressed so far with it. Happy, happy playing it. Excellent. I won't try it. No, it's probably for the best. It, it, it's got that. Yeah, could be the best game ever made. I, yeah, I'm not playing it. No. Well, I mean, you could do that kind of. It's got that kind of uncanny valley thing, which is what people are afraid of for clowns, isn't it? Because um, it gets close to being, to looking like completely human, but not. Uh, and then the proportions are different and wrong. And, um, yeah, you'd think that 
you know, it could exaggerate the stuff that is less terrifying. Um, I mean, I don't find it terrifying, but um, it, it could do with like not having the white face or, or I don't know, changing it up in some way, putting some like little details like stars or, or whatever on his face to make it kind of less threatening and bigger, more rounded eyes to, you know, to make it very... Well, um, they could also just toy-like. stop eating children. Well, there is that as well, yeah. Yeah, that um, is terrifying. I mean, the reason, main reason I'm terrified of clowns, I'm sure I've told this story before, so I'll do an abridged version, is when I was a lot younger and it, the original Stephen King's it, uh, with uh, um, Tim Curry as Pennywise, when that was put on, like it was like a two-parter on the BBC, I think, because it was originally done as a miniseries rather than a straight-up film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was on the BBC, and I remember watching it with my mum and we were sat in the living room watching it and in those days you, you, you couldn't pause the TV that's ridiculous um, so yeah. I had to run up and go to the toilet and my mum had loads of little porcelain clowns she used to collect so I never used to have a problem with them but I went up to go to the toilet and I was, I was young at the time I came back down and one of these porcelain clowns had ended up on my chair the where I was sitting and I absolutely shit myself <laughs> um, and from that day I was terrified of clowns even as an adult I do not like them they make me feel so stupidly uncomfortable did uh, some did you did your mum or you know whatever do that as a joke yeah yeah oh that's mean my mum's but mum's always been doing stuff like that to me not not I mean again I, I get that it's it's funny and stuff like that she's not like been an abusive parent or anything like that <laughs> but she has quite a dark sense of humour um <laughs> Oh, that's a baller move. That is. That's really. Well, she wants. She wants. Like, I think. I mean, I used to have a. Not in. A, I didn't like Lewis Hamilton because he was the new kid on the scene, and you know he wasn't Michael Schumacher. Um, and I made when you know when you're younger, you go, "Well, oh, I really don't like this person." You sort of like a bit more bravado about it. I'd done that, and I was quite clear on how much I didn't like him. So she bought me Lewis Hamilton's autobiography for Christmas. Oh, nasty. When I done my ankle ligaments in when I was younger, she bought me a skateboard. <laughs> I like your mum. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I do. I think she's all right. <laughs> um, but no, she has got quite a dark, like an edgy sense of humour with stuff like that. But yeah, she's the reason I don't like clowns. Fair play. <laughs> um, the, the only other thing to say at the moment um, is what's the strangest thing is that yeah okay you know it's like it's a kids game so there's lots of like kiddie based stuff you know fluffy clouds and some of it on a cute farmyard and there's cute farmyard animals and all that but like why pick a clown and then not have stuff like and these might appear but i haven't seen them yet i've not seen like a clown car i've not seen like a seltzer bottle gag i've not seen uh like the arton, arton, honk thingies, you know? I've not I'm not seen, like, a squirty tie. I've not seen any of the things in the game that make a clown a clown. Like, the only one there is, is when you go to a checkpoint, um, this little scarecrow-y type thing pushes a, a, a cream pie in your face. And that is a clown all thing. The dead children floating in Yeah, the yeah, yeah. There's all the dead kids, obviously. Because <laughs> you know, they all float down there. But, yeah, no, it's I, really I wonder- weird. I wonder if it's a case of I don't know. Um, someone liked the design that someone drew. I, I don't. I don't know. But yeah, there's balloons. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah there's balloons, but uh, and a pie in the face. Uh, but yeah, none of the other stuff. So I'm. If that doesn't appear, I'm going to mark it down by at least five points. 
definitely <laughs> in our in our marking system that we that we don't use <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough um anyway enough clowning around oh um, nice we'll go to something else that's pretty terrifying actually a bit lighter than clowns as well chernobyl oh uh, <laughs> i've been playing a game called chernobylite um which is a a first person rpg survival i suppose it's an adventure but i see it more of a survival horror right it's yeah it's very hard to know sort of where to put this game it takes a lot of influence from the likes of stalker um, that's there for metro and, and games like that and basically it's post-apocalyptic Chernobyl. you kind of get flashbacks uh, as your character i believe you was working in um like the the reactor and stuff like that when it went up but now you're part of this group that's um in the uh exclusion zone and you've got this storyline to follow and there's these like this um remnants of your dead partner girlfriend wife whatever she is i'm not quite sure yet um in your ear telling you oh this is bad or don't do this or go and do this kind of like really spooky and things like that yeah and it's atmospheric wise atmosphere wise it is oh it is absolutely dripping in it they've made a big deal out of and i don't know how they managed to do this but it's a it's the most realistic 3d scanned version of chernobyl's exclusion zone ever committed to digital media mm, wow so uh, you notice it you start off in the game and you're like you're in this train carriage and then uh, you wake up and oh look it's, it's post-apocalyptic you have to go through the woods and and stuff like that and you you feel lost you go through the woods first thing i done was in the woods and i felt lost you ever done that? Do you know when you've gone into deep woods and like you, you lose your bearings? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, video games don't often do that in a natural way. Um, it does it in weird ways. But Chernobyl, I, I'm, I'm in there and I felt lost and I got panicky. Headphones on. It was like fairly dark out as well. So I was, I'm, I'm, I'm playing and I got lost in the woods and I started feeling myself getting panicky. It's like, Jesus Christ, this game, it, it's got atmosphere. It knows atmosphere. Yeah. And I mean, on that alone, it's just absolutely wonderful. It's still in early access, I think. But yeah, it, on that side of it, it's really, really amazing. But yeah, it is an RPG and there's like you level up certain bits and you, you craft, there's crafting mechanics and it's a non-linear story. And it's got stealth in it, but in a really natural way. It's not like Metal Gear Solid stealth. It's kind of thrown loads of different elements so we spoke about this last week with another game where games throw loads of different elements and it doesn't quite work with this it works they've thrown the elements in it but it builds to it in a really nice way so it introduces different elements at the right time and does it in a natural way with the story there's like supernatural elements to it as well and the first time you're given a weapon these these things start coming out the ground uh, i mean almost soul like i suppose but they start coming out the ground and i started shooting them in a blind panic i didn't know what to do there's no sort of explanation for oh it's going happy it kind of flashes in you've got a gun during this like flashing and these things are coming out you just start shooting in a blind panic it's and it's it's got that element throughout all of it and you feel like you, you are having to survive but not in that way where it goes, oh, look, you've not eaten something for five minutes. You're now going to get hungry. Right. 
you feel like in the exclusion zone, you're at the mercy of the elements. You're at the mercy of what could be around the exclusion zone from like all like the, the stories and that you might hear from people and how haunted it is and, and things like that. And yeah, one of the things I've noticed, you do get to make a few choices in the game as well. And again, this is where I think Mass Effect is looking old now based on stuff like this you make decisions and choices within the game and it really seems to change the flow of what the game's doing not in a way i can go oh this is obvious but in a way that i've made a decision and then it, it like it feels like it's had an effect there's nothing on screen going oh so and so will remember this or oh so and so might react like this you just get a natural thing happen yeah and there's one like very early on where you had to make a decision of like you're trying to break into somewhere and it's a very minor thing and you go right you can either pretend you are an engineer who's meant to be there or you can get one of your party to like take out the person who's questioning you who's like caught you like on your way in and I chose to have him executed because, you know, I, I don't trust anything in, in the exclusion zone in Chernobyl. Screw that for a last. Some shadowy creatures tried to murder me. So, um, and they kind of murder this guy. And the way they are with you before you get there, you only got a brief moment with them. The way they are with you before you go in to how they are with you after is very different. They kind of almost mock you that you're not able to deal with things. And so I did go back, uh, but I restarted. It's only a very short while into the game. I then restarted it and in the end tried to pretend to be someone else. And the same thing happened. And he sort of like, um, he went, no, 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 you are not. You are not. You are not this person. And they come in and they take him out. And then you carry on. Uh, but their way they speak to you is different. And the way they then went into the next bit of the game was slightly different in their attitude and effort to how it was before. Right, and you really—it's just these little, little things that are going on, and uh, this is only a, like a, a Polish indie team that are making this. It's nothing major, but yeah, I'll just really—it's just the atmosphere, the storytelling, the the characterization that's going on in there, the trump everything. So I mean, I, I don't want to go into detail about the story itself. I don't want to go into detail about the crafting mechanics and the way it branches off and, and the survival mechanics and the base building that's in there because they're all fine but they could be crap because the atmosphere and this 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 choices matter mechanic they got just trump absolutely everything else. Well, that's really impressive, yeah. Especially from a small team. Um, it, yeah, And also it's kind of an area that for me, it feels like it's a little bit underutilized. So, um, I know there are a fair few of these survival type things around, but there aren't very many that are blending it well with the horror. Um, and I kind of, I'm kind of on the fence about like Resident Evil, which is the one that I'd say is pushing. It's not, it's not very survivally, but it's pushing that envelope the hardest, I guess. Where it's you know it's a first person game and it's got survival elements. Um, but I haven't really kind of clicked with them very much. But mm. this sounds like it's got enough of, like, the fear factor to make it, uh, you know, quite quite unique. Yeah, and I've not had a jump scare yet. So when I say I, 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 I'm, scared, I, I'm scared in places, it's tension. It's not... Even the bit where them soul shadowy things come out the ground, there's only two, two or three of them that I see at this point yeah. early on. Yeah um and it's like over in about 
15 seconds. Uh, but it's not a jump scare. You kind of get there. You've got a gun. You realize you've got a gun. Go, crap. Why have I got a flashback? I all of a sudden got a gun. And then you see it coming out the ground. It's like, oh, oh my. It's not that. But you're like, oh, right. This is why I've got my gun. Uh, okay. There's that one. There's that one. Shoot, 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 shoot. I've, I've got, I've got. And then it goes back to normal out of the flashback where you were standing before you went into like this flash. Well, I'll say that. It might not be a flashback. It might be an alternate reality. I don't know yet. And it's just like, just my heart afterwards going, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to take a second, but I'm scared. Can I take a second? I don't know if I can take a second because what if that happens again? It's got that element to it and it blends what you're doing with some supernatural elements. Is this actually happening? Am I safe and I'm not safe? Oh, and it's got a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. The one thing Metro done really well was you could play it with... Um, Russian voice acting and English subtitles, which I think yeah. adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. Same with this. Russian acting um, and voiceovers, but you can switch it to English if you want. Um, but I was like, no, thank you very much. I will take the uh I will take the, the Russian voices, please, because it just adds to the atmosphere rather than sounding comedic when you do English Russian accents. Absolutely. Uh, but, oh, yeah. Um I, I, I I've not again, I'm only a good as I say maybe three, four hours into it so far, but it's gripped me. I'm going to be playing this long-term. Um, I, I don't know when it actually comes out, comes out, but it is early access at the moment. And yeah, well, you know, apparently this has actually been around since like 2019, but I, I got it. So it must be coming up for release. It might be hitting full release very, very soon, but it's been in early access since October 2019. This is my first um, exposure to it. And yeah, oh, Superb. Nice one. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'll keep my eye on it. It actually says on their Steam page, actually, I just had a look. Full blown, 28th for the 7th, 2021. So as of listening, you can get this properly. Full release. Excellent. Yes. Put that on the wish list. Yes, definitely. Don't know how much it is. Uh, Let's have a look on my notes. £24. I've played games that are twice that, that are nowhere near as good as this. Cool. Yeah, nice one. One of those leaps out of the uh, out of the ground at you. Yes. So out of the exclusion zone, what have you been? Anything else? I've only been playing. Uh, I say only in inverted commas, but I've been playing Grandia still and really loving it. So, you know, we've talked about it a few times now on the podcast. So it's a, an RPG on the Saturn. I'm playing a full conversion into English of it. There was never an English version of it released. It's the Saturn game, but it takes the dialogue from the PlayStation version. By all accounts, the PlayStation version wasn't as good in terms of some of the graphics and the music. So it stitches them together to make the kind of quote-unquote ultimate edition of Grandia that you can play. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really great. What really strikes me is the story is fantastic. So it's not very combat-heavy. Uh, but it's a really, really unusual story that zips around and it has a very kind of light child adventure sort of focus. So instead of it feeling very heavy, it feels very kind of like, you know, sort of wistful and, and kind and gentle and about the protagonist's feelings and stuff and, and his relationships. Um, so it's kind of like, I don't know what you'd compare it to, um, the old stuff like, you know, Peter Pan, Swallows and Amazons, you know, that sort of thing, really, um, in that it's, you know, yeah, it's it's aimed at kids, but without patronising them, and 
very much enjoyable by adults. And I love the graphics. Now, obviously, it's the Saturn, so it's not beautiful, because it only it very rarely did beautiful-looking games. But it's got a really lovely, charming style that has aged very, very well, aged very gracefully, which doesn't hurt at all. And the you know the artwork is very clever and nicely done, beautifully coloured. The Saturn had such a much better colour palette than, than the PlayStation. And I'm not just dumping on the, the PS1. I loved that console, you know, really did. But it had a much more vibrant colour palette than the PS1, just like the, the Dreamcast did over the PS2. So it's just a, a lovely experience so far. And I'm, I'm about... Well, I'm five hours in on the clock, but I had some technical issues and uh, lost some time. So it's a bit more than that, probably nearer to eight or ten but I'm in for the long haul now and just genuinely really enjoying it. Excellent. Yeah, again, it's uh, it's one of those games that I, I've dabbled in or I, I definitely dabbled in a Grandia game. Couldn't tell you which one or anything like that um, or on what system. And it's just, it's one of those um, RPGs that's just not for me. Yeah. I just can't get on with it. Um, but... At the same time, I look at it, and it's one of those games, one of those series that I've always looked at and gone, I want to play it, um, and then have to talk myself out of it because I know I just won't get what I'm meant to get from yeah, it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, it's, again, I'm glad it's got its audience for sure. Yes, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's the stuff that you're like, right, I'm buying that. And then if you think about it for five minutes, you're like, no, don't do it. You you know you're not going to enjoy it. Doesn't matter how good it is, it's not for you. So yeah, yeah no. And I wasn't sure with this. I wasn't sure whether it was going to sit well with me or not. So it was, it was still a bit of a surprise, you know, because um, I didn't have any bias one way or another going in. Um, you know, cost me nothing because it's uh, it's a rom. Um, you know, I might look at buying the. Uh, um, I think there's a there's like a remaster available. Um, I might look at buying that so that, you know, somebody can get some money for it, although it would never go towards the original dev team because they'll be long gone, it's 25 years old. Uh, but, mm. uh, you know, I certainly don't have any <laughs> guilt around playing it as a, as a ROM, basically. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it really clicked, and uh, that's that's kind of rare, especially with older stuff that doesn't necessarily, like, you know, RPGs have quality of life improvements. Um, but this this, by and large, does a really good job of it. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, no, I say I, I, I would love to play it. I just can't. Well, I can, but I just won't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, moving on, I've been playing, I'll get to my well, two bigger ones in a bit, but I've been playing a, a smaller title that, again, it just shows why games are fantastic, especially in the indie scene because this has given me as much pleasure as anything else I've played of late, and it's called Mini Motorways. Um, you're aware of the game yeah. Mini Metro? Yeah, we talked about it on here a long time ago, like right near when we started, I think. And I looked I looked it up, and it looks gorgeous. So I'm guessing this one does as well. Yeah, so what, what this is, it's uh, so what you've got here is basically a minimalistic city builder that's based around traffic management and traffic management only. Um, so it's more of a puzzle game. Um, it's puzzle stroke city building strategy simulation type stuff. And the, the simplicity of it is basically you get given what would be a house 
um, and then a destination that the, the the house has got to get to. So you'd have a yellow house and you've got a yellow destination, which would be like a square place might be like a, a, an office. A round one might be like a retail park or, or something like that. That's what they're meant to represent. Yeah. And you draw the road from house to retail park or office or whatever. So from, from start to destination. And then another one pops up. It might be a different colour. You've got to draw a road. And basically the idea is you've got to be able to get all the traffic from start point to destination without it all clogging up and stuff like that. And it expands and gets wider and wider as you go and becomes more and more difficult. So you have to choose. So you've got, instead of choosing straight roads, you can then start to use roundabouts, traffic lights to manage it. And then eventually, you know, you can add bridges to get over water. Um, or you can then add a motorway, which cuts out, so almost bypasses everything and it's basically it's really like minimalistic but it just it really gets really intense so you start off and it's really slow and casual and relaxing and then the further you go the more intense it gets you're pausing it you're having to readjust roads and rebuild roads and oh can i put a, a roundabout there to help maintain this oh no that's not working can i do traffic lights can i bypass this all the meantime, guy, right, you've now got every, after every week passes, you get, right, you can either have traffic lights and 20 road tiles, or you can have a motorway and 20 road tiles, or maybe you might say you can have a bridge and 10 road tiles, or even 30 road tiles on its own, stuff like that. So you get different choices at the end of each week at what you want to progress. And you've got to think your strategy is, right, when do I need a bridge? Do I need a bridge now or am I wasting it when I could take a roundabout or a traffic light? And if you don't take a bridge, you can almost be sod's law that there'll be something placed over uh, a river. You're like, ah, oh, crying out loud. And it's just, it's strategy. You've got all these different real world locations. Like, so it'll give you like Tokyo, Munich, Beijing and a few other places. And yeah, basically the idea is to basically keep traffic flowing as long as you possibly can. And then when it builds up too much and you can't fulfill a destination properly, game over. And then you, you go again. Just a superb puzzle strategy game. And I absolutely adore it. But a big shout out to in-your-face accessibility modes. I nearly called it out for this guy. Oh, it doesn't, you know, I can't play because it it's too bright. Well, I actually missed the front and centre dark mode. You, you go into it, first thing you go is, oh, so it's a dark mode. There you go, now you can see. And you, there's colourblind options and all different kinds of things. So even as little as you can either keep your tools bar on the screen at all time or have it disappear, which seems like a minor thing, but someone with ADHD, if that toolbar disappears, I forget about it right um at times which is really weird to think about soon as you need to access it but having it that you can put it there is great you can toggle whether you use the right click for deleting paths or you can just go right a toggle button so it's just the same click for drawing and deleting um loads of little accessibility options really really good it's only a small title it's only a few quid i believe it's like seven pounds something like that absolutely brilliant and i loved mini metro and this is an absolute donking sequel to that yes yeah, so i'm looking at it now in my notes i took a sketch from you know, <laughs> uh, no, yeah now i'm youtubing it and it's great it looks like a piece of 
uh, industrial design or like a marketing brochure, like you know, like a marketing presentation sort of thing. In yeah. I, I mean that in the nicest possible way as a real compliment. So I've worked for corporations that spend huge amounts of money on their marketing and this kind of matches that style uh, which means yeah, that's really impressive and to do that plus also have all those accessibility options that's just fantastic I'm I'm genuinely really impressed um, it looks great I really want to give it a go but I have a funny thing with these it's like a really strange one so I quite like sort of strategy games as long as they're quite simply presented like this the best way for me to play them would be on like my laptop yeah and you know most of the time it's it's not powerful at all but it's powerful enough to to play fairly you know not graphically intensive games however i have one major barrier to this and that's that when i'm sitting on the sofa with my laptop on on my little kind of meal tray slash laptop table thing uh one of my cats finds it absolutely fascinating and she won't stop jumping up and just basically walking all over it in front of my face so i have a whole set of gaming stuff that i can't do because my cat will just completely interrupt it yeah so with this to be honest with you i i don't know if i could play this on a laptop with the trackpad um personally i think it's a, a mouse game or a touchscreen game for me well luckily i i, I often use my mouse with it and also it has touchscreen but yeah no it's, right. the, the cat, it's, the, it's the cat that's the problem so i think i'll have to get rid of the cat but um, <laughs> but no i think uh yeah i'll see if your cat's a better city planner than you probably is actually it's definitely more intelligent than i am but uh yeah no i think again steam deck that's something that will be great for this because it has touchpads i know they're only trackpads but i'm thinking that oh you know this might be one that will suit that down to the ground yeah. hopefully i've not tried this it's got full controllers of paul i mean because mini Me mini metro was out on everything so i had it on the vita playstation xbox pc uh iphone android uh but toaster the back of some bloke's head with a tattoo uh, I, everywhere <laughs> i had this game Oh, the the uh, the original in Mini Metro. So, and it worked really well on the Vita um, and on console. So, controller support. I've not tried it because I I prefer it with a mouse. Um, but so you might get away with doing good controller support with it. Cool. Yeah. No, it, it's one of those that I hope it really reaches a big audience. So, I'm taking it that Mini Metro did really well. I don't know because Mini Metro came out. I'm gonna have a look see when Mini Metro came out. Uh, when did Mini Metro come more out? thrilling content of uh, audio people looking? Just sticking through my notes. <laughs> Mini Metro came out in 2015, right? So it's not as if it's like done like really well when they've gone dive straight into another one because conceptually it's the same. Um, I, again, I'm not going to say turn around and say, well, they could have just it's just a reskin because there's more to it, much more to it. Um, but conceptually it's the same, visually it's very similar. I mean, Metro looks more like an underground map because it's a Metro game. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, whether they've just taken the time because they wanted to make the game they wanted, I don't know. But they've not rushed out to make another one based on success by the looks of it. But without speaking to them, I wouldn't know. But I'm glad it's, it exists because it's absolutely brilliant. Maybe they, I mean, they're creating that you can get a bundle of both motorways and Metro called the Miniverse bundle. Um, so I do wonder if maybe they will look at maybe. I don't know, an air traffic control based one, maybe. 
oh, yeah. or something down the line. There's all sorts they could uh, do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really, really good. Another one to stick on the uh, another for the wish list, which is growing by the day. And uh, funny again to think about, like when I was a kid, you know, I'd buy a game cartridge uh, for a system, and that would be it for months because it would cost the equivalent these days of about seventy quid. Whereas now, yeah. I, if I spent seven, if I spent seventy quid on stuff that I wanted, I'd have like twelve games and absolutely no time to play any of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, back when I was a kid, mini motorways doesn't happen because mini metro would never have been any kind of success whatsoever because it would needed to have been released on a cartridge, a tape, whatever. It wouldn't have had a chance to be a proper success because people wouldn't have been happy. I mean, I say that back in the Spectrum days on the Co- and the uh, Commodore sixty four days where you got your one ninety nine affairs. There, yes, you might have got like that. It might have existed, but in your Sega, Nintendo, NES, NES days, no chance. PlayStation days, I don't think it has a single chance. And I think this is like again, modern gaming only allows this to happen now. True, true. I think the closest you'd ever get would be um, a weird sort of backwater Amiga slash Atari ST game <laughs> that did yeah. this kind of thing. So it you know, uh, it'd be pirated to buggery as well, so it wouldn't get any money from it. But yeah, exactly. yeah, no, it, it wouldn't exist except for today. No. No. Um but yeah, absolutely brilliant. Now I do want to move on to ah uh, ah uh, oh I want to talk about another game. Um oh, Jesus but I'm getting this really, really weird crackling sound in my head oh ah, i don't know it's like it's, it's like interference in my head um oh that's really hurt i'm going to take a, a quick break night book which is uh, it's from wales interactive who are most famous for games like the complex uh five dates uh, made of skur among others as well um they, they are called sort of the Let's just say the the main FMV guys. And what Nightbook is, you, you take on the role of like this interpreter um, who will do like go to Zoom chats and stuff like that or Zoom style chats or whatever and interpret for business people or um, friends or, or dates or whatever and things like that. But that, that's basically her job in it. She interprets for people online. It's for this like this weird island that's like this French language, but it's a version, ancient version of this French language, and only she's one of the only people who knows it outside of the people who live on this island. It's, yeah, but she ends up doing this translation, and she gets tricked into reading from this ancient scroll or book or whatever it is. Um, so think about how. Ash Williams is tricked into reading from the Necrom- Necronomicon. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Um, so she's tricked into doing that. And the whole game takes place on this on a computer screen because it was made during lockdown. So it was all filmed remotely and everything. So it was all done via computer screen. So um, have you ever seen the films like Unfriended or, or things like that where it's all done? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like yeah. that format. So it's all done like that. So she's got this security system and all the cameras pop up on a computer. All the chats all pop up on the computer. You get to see the notifications. Loads of stuff. And it's really, really good. It focuses on the occult. 
and it's like really really creepy in places like really creepy i like i felt uneasy at times with the way the story was going wow it, it deals with elements of violence and suicide in there as well but it's not a, a game about mental health so to speak uh but it's, but it's when i first saw that i went oh okay that wall is there you better be handling this properly um and it does FMV games can be one of two things to work. It can either be completely hammy, um, as in Contradiction Spot the Liar, where you're you're laughing along with it, or it has to nail it and be so spot on serious that it works like the Sam Barlow games of her story and telling lies. You try and merge those two, you fail. Thankfully, this is more towards the her story side of things. And, you know, Again, I don't want to say too much because it will ruin it. And, the, you know, FMV games are all about the story. You know, the main character's pregnant in the game. Her husband's working away. And, yeah, it's really, really well acted. Um, it stars um, uh, Julie Dre from Avenue 5. And it really surprised me when he popped up. It stars Colin Salmon as well who has the best death on film I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Resident Evil, yeah. Yes. And, and he was one time, he was one time tipped to be James Bond. I remember about a decade or so ago, people was tipping him to be James Bond. Yeah. Um, he would have been a great Bond. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a completely live action game. Um, and I absolutely adore it. It feels, it flows naturally. Um, the acting's really well done. Um, and I can't recommend it enough. I'm playing it on the Switch, but I believe it's out on uh, like it's on PC as well. I'd imagine it's on consoles. Yeah, absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful game. I would give it, I would say eight San Barlows out of ten. Nice on the Barlow scale. Um, it's up there. It's definitely. Oh up yeah, there. the the scientific Barlow scale. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's again, it's made on a, even though it's Wells Interactive, it's, it, there are budget games, uh, but it uses its, um, uses the things that I haven't told it back during lockdown really, really well. Yeah, superb. I think I only know it's a couple of, so the, sometimes you get an issue with an FMV game where it's coming to a bit where you need to make a decision. And it's usually a black or white decision and stuff like that, which this this has. And then sometimes the FMV game takes a while to react to that. And you're like, yep, yep, come on. Okay, that doesn't feel like it's a natural reaction. I noticed maybe twice in this where I just went, oh, they didn't quite sew that together well. But on the whole, it feels like you're watching a film in terms of how naturally each scene progresses into the next based on your decision. And, each, and it's again, it's branching storyline. So every decision you make has an effect on the game. So I could have, like, at the start, without ruining the story, I have a choice. Do I want to interpret for a business meeting or do I want to interpret for a son who's trying to reconnect with his mum? And, you know, you kind of go, oh, one's going to be good for my career, but the other one, oh, I know this kid, you know, I've been working with him to teach him this this ancient language and um, his mum's on the island and he wants to talk to her. Uh, it's less money, but it's personally, it feels good. So I went with that one. Um, but I want to now play through the entire game again and see what it does if I choose the business sense one 
what that does to the story because it's all got to lead into you reading this ancient text and i want to know how it gets there and stuff like that but yeah absolutely wonderful night book very cool and how far in are you and how much is left do you think i finished it nice are Um, you going to replay it and do different options yeah well right yes i am so generally with a game like this if there's a sliding doors moment early that's clearly two different things i will play it a second time and just see where that takes me i generally go with a game like this if there's not and it's just my decisions this is where i got to i don't but this is so intriguing is what happens if i choose the business sense option will it what what happens there so i want to play it again from that point and if it just generally goes bang 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 and now we're into the same story before i'll probably leave it because again I, I, movies things like that i'm one and done on the whole but i'm intrigued enough that i want to go back and play it again because it again it's just so good it is really really good nice one i will look into that i didn't i wasn't sold on the idea because i didn't like them when they, i'm so old that i was there for the first time around with fmv gaming mm. back in the early very early 90s sort of mm. 92 and i kind of yeah and no, i didn't like it at all but I really liked her story, even though, unfortunately, I figured out the mystery pretty much from the moment I started playing it <laughs> without spoilers. But I'm, yeah, I'm well up for Nightbook and well up for giving it a go. I think I might check that out, to be yeah. honest. I mean, it's not out until the July the 27th. Um, I'm just going to check, cool. check my notes very quickly. So this is going to sound weird to people, but what we're going to do is we're going to cut this bit and we'll just add it into next week's podcast because the... Uh, 27th is the uh is the embargo right so fair play we will we will keep this but we will cut it so i don't get into trouble so for people who are listening to this now that was nearly dangerous it's so good though um that's that uh, it's that good i nearly broke an embargo for it folks so there you go Wow, that that was that was that was messed up, Stu. I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Um, well, really, really weird. Anyway, yeah. the game, yeah, ooh. spooky. Uh, the game I wanted to talk about um, before, oh, yeah, ooh, uh, uh, before that happened was um, a game called The Ascent, which shows sort of how out the loop I've been a little bit because I didn't realise this was an eagerly anticipated game. Um, and I, I kind of casually mentioned it on the forum and like as a oh, guys keep an eye out for this one um i can't say too much because of embargoes and everyone was like oh yeah i've been really looking forward to this i've been really looking forward to this and is it as good as what i'm expecting like hey uh, uh what i don't know i didn't know <laughs> people realized this was coming got review code for this and oh it's special i love it when a special game comes out um it's developed by neon games published by curve digital and curve digital generally are you know you know you're expecting something at least decent but this goes far and beyond what you've got here is an isometric cyberpunk based shooter like twin stick shooter rpg that's set in an open world and it, it it's just superb again i don't want to say too much because i'm a few hours into it there's there's story story stuff that's very vital and i don't want to ruin it for anyone 
but basically you've got your normal twin stick shooter movement so you move with your left stick you aim with your right stick and then you've got triggers to to shoot with you can upgrade your weapons you can collect different weapons you can upgrade your, your armor um different abilities you can get which help like help with things there's hacking mechanics in there and it's like it's very much open world enemies are are superb they're not just cannon fodder even the ones that are supposed like minion type based stuff or cannon fodder have a sense of intelligence they rush you at different angles and really make you panic at times but it starts off and the one bit i will mention that, that it starts off with and you kind of know what you're getting into it starts off really slowly no weapon you have to go you get a story b and then you have to go and do these little mission based things which include hacking computers and rebooting a system um to help the the plant carry on um and then you carry on then the then you get given a weapon and you're slowly introduced to some of the enemies and some of the other sort of like gameplay mechanics and it moves you along quite smoothly and then you get to a bit where you come across your first let's say mini boss and it kicks your ass and you're like right okay this game's really stepped it up i get it and then it just doesn't let go from there on in it's paced it's not too frenetic all the way it's paced absolutely sublimely and for the first time I've played a game as well whereby I understand fully ray tracing because I played this with ray tracing on and I played this with ray tracing off and the cyberpunk aesthetic with the neons and the, the, the lighting systems that it's there. Oh my sweet Jesus. It is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful looking games I think I've ever seen. Honestly, I can't say enough about how wonderful this looks and yeah again it's got survival based stuff in it and the rpg elements are again i suppose almost like you'd expect in a roguelike almost some of the rpg elements but it's not a roguelike at all um, i've only played this solo i've not played it co-op um and i don't know how much it, different it is but it's got this really interesting mechanic again I, I, sorry i'm jibbering on a bit here um it's all right i'll cut it all out don't worry <laughs> it's got this really interesting aiming mechanic where you aim at a level with just normal so you're moving your right stick around and you're aiming and you shoot 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 but because there's a little bit of verticality or different sized enemies you hold the left trigger and instead of that just being something else, it aims higher so you can shoot above small enemies or over small obstacles and get enemies that are hiding or taller enemies whilst avoiding the bigger like the smaller enemies so you can change your focus that way and it's only a, a really sort of like minor mechanic but it adds something to the twin stick nature of the game that i've never really seen before yeah um and that throws in with like this tactical grenades and gadgets and crap like that and this cover stuff destructible environments all that's in there as well character customization i'm playing as a um a, a woman with um cyan hair um because it looks cool um and it's really interesting characters first first character you meet is this big sort of like um mass effect the alien type looking gorgon thing um with a sheffield accent i was like i'm sold i'm sold <laughs> 10 nice. out of 10 nice <laughs> um but the thing i really 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 want to mention accessibility options again um absolutely superb from these guys 
you've got different color palettes you can use to help with different color blindness um different levels of vision so i was able to flick through them and find one that i felt comfortable playing in you can choose the color of the subtitle text you can choose the size of text you can choose the background of subtitles the opacity of the background um, and many 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 other little um, subtle accessibility options all there in the setup yeah every game should do this no excuse absolutely superb um the ascent is absolutely outstanding um i i I don't want to say too much because you need to experience it. But this is, um, I believe this is um, sort of like uh, some veteran, like some like old school developers, some bigger studios have got together to create Neon Giant. And these are definitely a team who know what they're doing. And yeah, we are talking potential game of the year stuff here. We really, really are. Excellent. Now I've been keeping my eye on this for, for a little while. As I think a lot of people will because it's coming to Game Pass. So it's going to get played to absolute death, which is great. You know, there's going to be tons of people out there getting to experience it. So as it's as good, you know, as, good as you say, that's fantastic. And um, yeah. You can't, I mean, I've, I've seen people trying to compare, say, oh, how does it compare to Hades? You can't. You can't compare the two games. They're, they're, they're different. The fact is they're isometric and that's about it. That's all you've got. I loved Hades. I think it was the one of the games of last year. Still behind a Tetris for me because it's Tetris and Tetris is the de facto winner uh, of Game of the Year. Well, of course. For me, so far, I prefer this to Hades. Wow. Ever so slightly. Yeah. Ever so slightly, but I prefer it to Hades. So do you remember a few weeks ago I spoke about Beautiful Desolation? I do indeed. Um, and how much I really enjoyed that, the story and the way that worked. I think if I'd have played this before Beautiful Desolation, I don't think I'd have enjoyed Beautiful Desolation as much um, because right. this just takes it, steps it up to sort of like even Spinal Tapper going, what? We need to put a 12 on this. <laughs> um, honestly, it is special. It is a special, special game. And again, I, I sort of I'm almost lost for words in trying to describe the game because I, I don't think anything I can say can do it justice. Blimey! Um, all I can say is it's on Game Pass. If you've got access to an Xbox, if you've got access to a PC, sign up for Game Pass just to test it. But I tell you what, if you've only want to play it on Steam, then the what is it twenty twenty five quid that it'll cost you, you, you you're not going to go wrong. If you have any takeaway from this from this week's podcast on the gaming side, for less than the cost of a AAA title, you can get Chernobylite, you can get the Ascent, add in a bit of mini motorways, and you could have tons of some great gaming fun. Marvelous, yeah. So we'll have to play this in co-op when it comes out. Yes, yeah. We might even do a stream once my eyes are better. We'll do a stream co-op stream. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. But that's the best of gaming. It's an unfortunate segue because we've now got to talk about the absolute worst. Yeah, that's kind of where it sounds like it's going. Yeah. Um, so, I, I really don't know what to say about 
the Activision stuff. Well, I do. I, I do. I'm angry about Activision Blizzard. Um, purely from the sense of not that this stuff has happened, because that's scummy enough, but by the fact that they could have got ahead of this Activision. Uh, when they saw what happened to Ubisoft, they could have got ahead of it. But because many of the major publications and sites swept it under the carpet a bit because they didn't want to lose access to their review copies um, and their chummy deals and, and everything like that, you could almost sense that um, the, the executives at Activision Blizzard looked at it and went, oh, okay, we'll be able to get away with this. We'll deal with it. You know, if anything comes up, then we can just, you know, ride it for a few days and that'll be that. And that's angered me. Um, they could have got ahead of this and gone, okay, based on what's happened to Ubisoft, we are aware this kind of behavior has happened within our own company. We are admitting it now and we are going to do stuff about it. Instead, they've barely made comment. They've denied it. They're going to fight it. Um, and they're throwing people under the bus. They're basically called their staff liars. And it's absolutely disgusting. You go from the absolute worst where one person on, a, I believe, like a, a retreat or whatever it was, was being abused and took their own lives on the back of that. Um, uh, that is just horrible, horrible, horrible. And then the, even the low-level stuff, in a way, of women and minorities being passed over for promotion is sickening. One, I read a tweet earlier um, today that said, you know, one particular female staffer was told that she won't ever get a promotion within the company because that was a position they've designed for a man, a male hire. What the f is that all about? They don't, they, they, they've admitted, or, you know, it's come out that they won't promote women in case they get pregnant. I, I just, what the f is going on with this industry, Stu? Well, it's just a microcosm of, of all of this big business stuff, isn't it? And what I feel, it, it seems as though, is that it slips sideways into it by... Because it's... Because uh, because games and game creation is a partly artistic endeavour, there's a way in for bad behaviour because I think there are f fewer controls over, you know, how a business is run when it's broadly artistic so stuff about like who who you can hire in a role and you know how long you can work and all of that sort of stuff in the arts is quite different from it from in regular business now I, I'm no expert on US law and and the way that they conduct themselves but I know that it's it would be far harder in the European Union to get away with some of the stuff just on a you know, on a hiring basis and they've been getting away with. But even so, on a, just a human level, it's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, until they kind of had a root and branch, I don't know, ripping out of all the people who are perpetrating this stuff, I wouldn't buy one of their games. I mean, I know I don't really buy their games anyway. They're not for me, but I wouldn't anyway, and I would definitely steer people away from buying them because the only thing that we can do is is signal boost the people who've suffered because of this and to hit them where it, where it hit the 
the companies were where they hurt which is the what by the wallets the only power we have as consumers is is to not spend money that that they will receive yeah and it's with it i mean i i i've made the pledge that myself i will not cover activision or ubisoft games um until going forward until satisfactorily as companies they have done what they need to do even then i doubt i've, I've that bothered about it anyway again because of my mission statement with this site anyone else that wants to cover their games i will not stop them um i might you know um preface any any articles or any promotional style reviews or coverage of their games with the caveat that these companies have done what they've done and it still has not been sorted but i, I i've made the pleasure i will not be covering them um again for promotional ways and one thing to say as well i know this isn't just AAA games that this happens in it's a industry-wide thing it's a business-wide thing it happens in sort of like most industries it does happen at the indie level the difference being with the indie level i don't think it gets hidden as easily and it's very easy to say oh right well this guy's utter scum so I'm not going to reward him or this little small team with buying their game because that is scubby behaviour that you can punish them directly. Um, and the argument and the thing you have to deal with when it comes to your Activisions and your Ubisofts is who are you punishing? You are, when you don't buy their games, trust me, if enough people done it, you are not punishing the developers at the ground level. You are punishing the ceos because if they're not continually making more money than they did the year before it affects them they start then losing jobs they start having to answer to different people and it does affect them so if you have uh, uh, honestly i think if you've got any kind of moral stance on this don't feel ashamed that you're not supporting the developers you are actively showing support to those developers by not supporting the billionaire CEOs who have been allowing this to happen and the executives that have been perpetrating this for God knows how many years. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the only way that uh, the the change can be affected. So yeah, like you say, if, if they're punished and they don't receive their money and their bonuses and you know the studio still exists, what they'll have to do is change and get better. And, you know, that, that will mean that the people can be employed and the people who are employed will be more happy. Now, that's not to say that there isn't going to be fallout and that people aren't going to lose their jobs if you stop paying. And unfortunately, that's because of the way things are set up, it's set up to fail. It's like the, the classic sort of railway uh, dilemma, isn't it? Of like, do you divert the train to save, you know, the life of somebody you love and it will kill people that you, but a larger number of people that you have no connection to that sort of thing you know um you, you can't avoid it unfortunately but you know at least you'll know that you're giving them a, you're trying to build a future or help towards a future that will allow these people these artists and these designers and everything to be part of an industry that can that they can be proud of and that they can work in without persecution or without any kind of you know malice and and poor poor treatment so yes in the short term it might cause some issues but you've got to got to think about the longer term as well 100 percent. and you often hear the argument 
when it comes to AAA studios. And this isn't to dump on on developers who make AAA games because I get their passion, their what they want to make, and the technical ability that goes into those games and you know you look at a call of duty or an assassin's creed and they are clearly beautiful looking games they've made with love um on the development level and it's just when the executive top ends come in go right how can we make more money from this but the fallout immediately might not be great however the developers who want to make games who have these ideas they want to make good games if they are then unshackled from corporations like mega corporations like your Activision's, your Ubisoft's, your EA's. We've spoken today of two two specific games, you know, in Chernobyl and um, the Ascent, of what they can do when they're not shackled. Even mini motorways, for example, you know, we don't know if that's been in development for five years. Um, I can't imagine that if, you know, one of those major companies was behind the development team doing mini motorways, whether they'd be allowed five years to make that game or whether they'd need to chuck it out a year later, in which case it wouldn't be the game that they wanted to make. So I think long-term, I think, you know, we would, we would see people shifting more towards your devolver digitals, your team 17s, that's that level of um, publisher or games house and others going independent with less focus on just making money. Don't get me wrong, I get that people need to make money to survive and to live. But what we're seeing is, honestly, AAA games are being made to line the pockets of of billionaires as it is. There's no demand. I honestly believe there's no demand for making games cost millions and millions and millions of pounds to make. Um, I believe that was something that was created by corporations to tell us that's what we want. We That we want more and more realistic graphics um we want sort of like bigger and more open expansive worlds that are beyond anything we can imagine um when you look back at the games of the year over the last decade you actually look at them i think the ones that have got more passion about them or live longer are definitely the smaller games like your hades and um your things like that so we would i think we'd actually start seeing a better collection of games in the long run as well or people seeing the better games that are there not just hidden by the four or five over the top multi-million pound effort that are designed to bleed more money from us um and, you know that's just that's just from the the economic side of the scum that these these guys are getting up to um let alone the abuse they're putting their staff through not just sexual but the constant long hours um, and you often hear people, well, if you don't want to do it, don't work there. That's not how life works. No. It, so much hinges on this this legal battle now between the state of California and um, Activision Blizzard as to what happens moving forward. And I've got a feeling Activision have got enough money and enough clout. I don't think much happens, and that's sad. It is, but let's hope that something else good comes out of it. You know, I think we, we might be reaching a tipping point where unionisation comes back in to a degree. Um, I wonder how long and how sustainable it is that we're we're in a non-unionised sort of society because people seem to really be having enough of it now. And it's kind of, you know, being able to see behind the curtain or you know, see inside the sausage factory, whichever analogy you want to use, that... Uh, you know, with particularly with younger people coming into a market where they can barely get a job, and when they do it, it's massively underpaid and understaffed. That 
they will be thinking, well, there's got to be something better. There's got to be a better way of doing this. And uh, I just, yeah, as usual, I sort of have a hope for the future that that people will realise there's a better way and that it will, it will change from there. No, I do. And I mean, you mentioned like inside the sausage factory, you know, it comes to something where you look at it and go, ah, do you know what? The animals in the slaughterhouse are probably treated better than the people who work for Ubisoft Activision and CD Project Red. It's it's, it's just the way it is. And I, I've been asked before, why do I champion indie games so much? Why why have I got such a thing about AAA games and a, a dislike for them? That's why. I know indie games aren't perfect. I know there's there's scum behind some indie games and things like that but it's a, a much smaller level and you can you can actively choose to not support the individual but the AAA system if i never play a single one again doesn't bother me one iota yeah um, got to hope things change we really do yes definitely but I, I need to end it on a positive need to end on on a positive and i don't think that we can find positive in that so in terms of myself, I am due, as you are listening to this, I would have had my second operation on my other eye, um, and hopefully I'll get some vision back on that. My vision's slowly improving in my right eye again after a recent bleed. So I, you may see this as positive. I don't know. You might recoil in horror. But I'm hoping to get back into doing some streaming and some more video content, definitely some more writing, because I'll be able to sit at the computer a bit longer. Whereas recently it's been more of a case of playing these games and then having to make written notes for the podcast because I don't need to look at the screen for the podcast um, so I can balance gaming more. Um, and I did discover as well that, yeah, taking breaks every half hour to an hour is definitely a good thing for your eyes. But yeah, I'll, hope, I'll hopefully be able to get back into streaming. And we are... Again, if you do listen to this, we are looking for additional hosts for marginalised communities, whether that's women, whether you're in the LGBTQIA plus area. We are after some additional hosts, whether it's a rotating chair or not. If you are interested, drop me a DM via Twitter at mentalhealthga2 or podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com if you are if you are interested. Um, but yeah, no, lots, lots of positives on the horizon. So yeah, that's hopefully something a bit more positive from me. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really cool. And positive from me is that I've now got a job. So as you, as people may know, I started another job. Um, I alluded to not getting on with it very well. Uh, it, so I was only in it for a few months. And at the end of the probationary period, we decided together, me and the employer, that it wasn't working out. So I was, I've been unemployed for a huge grand total of about 10 days. And now I've got another job. Uh, so I'm really, really chuffed about that. And it seems like a really good place to work. So that's very positive as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. But... In terms of starts and finishes, this is the finish of the podcast. God, terrible. What, what, what's those little balls multiplying behind you, Stu? Uh, what are they? I don't know. They're multiplying. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Oh, you've ruined the bitch, Stu. Oh, I don't know. What, I'm lost. Help. Gremlins. Oh, God. Right, 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 right. Yeah. The little furry buggers. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not. I'm not even going to do a retake. We can keep this in because that's how in that's how in sync we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I totally forgot about that. That feels like years ago now. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, before I get swamped by toothy creatures, have a great week, everybody. And if you like our content, follow us on YouTube, all the other socials, especially Twitter. If you want to contribute, you can pay on Patreon for us, or you can pay a one-off with coffee. And apart from that, just enjoy your gaming. Have a great week. Stay safe and stay sane.